Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Here's a fact that you might not know. It's one that the Knicks had to learn the hard way. Philadelphia as well. Milwaukee just got a taste of it last night. The Atlanta Hawks are not afraid. They're not scared. They are, in fact, unscared. First time in the playoffs? Psst, please. Please. Facing the number one seed in the East? Whatever. We'll win three games in their house. Facing the Bucks and a two-time league MVP in the conference finals? Who gives a damn? Not the Atlanta Hawks. That's for sure. You know that phrase, have the appropriate fear? Having the appropriate fear? Yeah, well, these guys have no fear. Absolutely none. And it's not just a matter of them being so young that they don't know any better. They know exactly what time it is. They know exactly who and what they are and what they're doing and where they are. Let me give you another fact. Milwaukee should beat these guys. Fact. On paper, Milwaukee should beat these guys pretty easily, in fact. In reality, though, one game in, Milwaukee just had the home court ripped. Again, because Atlanta is that good, they're that tough, and they just don't give a damn. They'll dunk on you, then they'll let you know it. Then they'll put that dunk on a t-shirt, and they'll wear it after a game. I mean, is anybody really still sleeping on these guys? Is anybody still refusing to put respect on these guys? If so, you're either ignorant or you're not paying attention. Either way, you owe them an apology. And if you were watching, you would have seen them doing stuff like Trey Young dropping a shimmy before a three in the third quarter. So how are they going to find an answer for this man right here? Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh no, he Young didn't. With a little shake no, of his shoulder and no, hits the three. No, he didn't. He just shook his shoulders. <laughs> little shuffle. What? Doing a little bank-out bounce right there. Are you kidding me? What a third quarter here for the Atlanta Hawks. I'm telling you, a shimmy before a three. I repeat, before my man took that shot. That was not Steph Curry dropping the shimmy after he made a three. That was Trey dropping a shimmy before he took a three. And he did it late in the third quarter of a tight conference finals game on the road. I'm telling you about this dude. I'm telling you about this dude. A bleeping stud. And if you have a problem with Trey Young and Trey Young's hair, then you got a problem with you and your hair. I mean, doing that in a pickup game or a lunchtime run at the gym is practically a reason to go. And this legend just did it in the conference finals on the road. Maybe the best thing ever. This dude is fast becoming one of my favorite athletes ever. The only thing better than the shimmy in the game was Trey's explanation for the shimmy after the game. I mean, I, I had a lot of time. I had a lot of time, and uh, I was kind of tired uh, a little bit, so I, had to, I got a little second to get a deep breath and um, knock it down. You see, dude's not looking to show anybody up. Just a young dude with a little too much time on his hands and an opportunity to take a deep breath and take it all in. Yeah, sure it wasn't. What that was was Trey Young snatching more souls. I mean, sure, breathing is everything, especially to pro athletes, in the big moment, on the big stage. How many times do you see an athlete take that deep breath before getting back in the batter's box, before stepping up to the free throw line? You're taught the importance of breathing at a very early age if you're an athlete. Except nobody teaches anybody that the shimmy before the shot is a breathing technique because it's not, but it is one of the best things ever. And they still weren't done. Trey still had some more freakery. If it sounds like I can't get enough of Trey Young, it's because I can't get enough of Trey Young or bleep like this. Setting it up for Collins. That was a pass, too. That was not a shot there by Trey Young. Wow. That is a beautiful play there by Young. That is absolutely an assist. Absolutely. I mean, that is so cocky. That is so awesome. And don't think for one second. Do not for one second come up in here and try to tell me that was a missed shot. The hell it was. 
the hell that was. That was a pass off the backboard the entire way. As former Hawk Kent Bazemore tweeted, quote, they used to do that in practice, and I told them no way that they'd pull that off. They do it in the Eastern Conference Finals. End of quote. Hell yes, they did. And at that point, if I were the Bucs, I'd be worried. Not because the Bucs aren't good. Not because the Bucs are in over their heads in this series. They're not. But they just got into the ring with the craziest dude ever. You never want to fight crazy. Crazy has nothing to lose. And if they're willing to drop shimmies and throw alley-oops to each other off the glass in the second half of a conference finals game, what the hell else are they willing to do? And just when it looked like they might not have enough, just when it looked like that might be one of those good job, good effort nights, they battled back. They were still down seven on the road in the final four minutes of that game, and they find a way to get it done. They came up with clutch stops when they had to have them, when the pressure was on at the highest. And the game came down to the final seconds. The Hawks did exactly what they had to do, what they have been doing. They did what they've done in every round of these playoffs. They go on the road. They win game one. Here's another fact. Trey Young, dude is really good at basketball. And he was made for these moments. He was built for it. Last night, 48-11-7. According to the stats, he created, assisted, or scored... On 80 of the 108 points that Atlanta scored when he was on the floor. According to Jim Rome, he was probably tangentially involved in the other 28. And it's not just Trey. The guys all around him are also built for it. John Collins, Clint Capella, Kevin Herter, I could keep going. They're all built for it. And if you did not know, now you know. These guys are not supposed to be here, allegedly, reportedly, supposedly. Except last night, they proved that they're exactly where they belong. And they could go even further. Yes, I'm hyping these guys. Yes, I'm all about these guys. But no, I'm not going to guarantee they advance. I'm just saying, I trust their heart and their grit more than I do Milwaukee's right now. And I know Milwaukee is going to get Atlanta's best shot. I know that. I'm not convinced Atlanta gets Milwaukee's best shot. And if I'm a Bucs fan, that would scare me. Again, the Bucs better get right. And they better do it fast. Because they've got no excuse this time. It's all set up for Milwaukee. Just getting to the conference finals for this group is not going to be good enough. And believe me, Atlanta is not just happy to be here. They're here to stab you in the heart, and they're here to finish. Could not be more impressed, obviously. 1-800-636-8686. This is a metaphor for your business's journey. Sometimes it feels like the course keeps changing right before your eyes. Whoa! And in order to maneuver it, you need an expert by your side. That's what Dell Technologies advisors do. They have the tech solutions you need to help you get out in front and stay ahead of the game. Whew. For advice on solutions like XPS 13 laptops powered by Intel Evo platform, call an advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. We are joined by Andrew Whitworth. Andrew, it's great to have you back. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm glad to be back on with you. So good to have you back on. In fact, why don't we get to the really important stuff? I mean, even more important than football, maybe even more important than life. How is your golf game these days? Have you had to get a ch- had a chance to get out and play? How you hitting them? I like where your head's at. It's, uh, you know what? My golf game's doing great. You know, dialing it in. Usually in the summer is uh, when you play your best golf, and then you got to go to training camp and not play again for six months. So it uh, gets just to where I love it, and then it gets bad again by January. Perfect. Andrew Whitworth is joining us. Good to hear it. You know, back in March, I thought you had a really, really good post on Instagram where you reposted a video from four years ago when you signed with the Rams. What do you remember about that flight into L.A.? You know, I can remember thinking to myself, I don't know what I'm doing because it's one of those situations in free agency a lot of people don't know that you can't uh, officially, you know, set a flight or do anything until you've uh until that window actually opens for free agency so we had kind of been verbally talking my agent to the team and and knew that we were gonna have to go out there and take a physical so 
we didn't book a flight till like like the end of that day. So we ended up being like the last seat seat of a plane to Salt Lake City from Cincinnati, and then a connection in Salt Lake City that's pretty long, and ended up being like one in the morning by the time we got to LA with our kids. So we're just sitting there like, what are we doing? We have never done this before. And uh, just a lot of nerves, a lot of anxiety of what what the days ahead look like. And we couldn't be more thankful and, and grateful of how it all has gone and how well we've been treated and, and what an experience it's been for us. See, I think that's a really honest response, that you had the kind of career that you had had up until that point. You had been with the Bengals for 11 years. But even despite that success, you were saying, hey, listen, I don't really know what we're getting into. This is scary. This is kind of uncharted territory. And then you come here and it's played out so well. One of the things that you and I talked about that I really loved in our conversation back in February was when you talked about how you came back so quickly from injury last year, but it wasn't just about getting back from injury. It was about being a leader and showing that you have to deal with the challenging parts of the injury, and you can't only lead in good times. You have to lead when things are tough as well. It's a powerful leadership mentality. Where did that come from? Well, I think just over the years, watching great leaders and people who are in those positions and, and how, uh, you know, honestly, you get the kind of response you want. If you If you want to be a leader... And you want to be somebody that people look up to. You know, it's not always going to be about, and mostly not going to be about what you do in success, but it's going to be about in, in failures and in times when you have setbacks, you know, who you are in those moments. And I think for me, it was showing guys that, hey, you know what, as a veteran guy who's played as long as I have, there's a lot of courtesies you get, whether it be respect in the building, whether it be time off at times to take care of your body that they may not give to a younger player. So they see you get a lot of things that I would consider amenities are, are nice things for being an experienced football player but when you go through adversity i think you have the opportunity to show them why you get those things and why who you, you are and and uh, why people look up to you and why people think that you're valuable and, and i think for me it was one of those opportunities to show guys how much this game meant to me and, and how much uh, those guys meant to me and, and what I'm willing to do to get back. L.A. Ram, Andrew Whitworth is joining us. To that point last month, when the team huddled up, you closed things out with some words of wisdom, and part of that was, also I love this, quote, choose habits that lead to us being in the Super Bowl, end of quote. So what does that approach mean to you, and what are the types of habits that you choose that will lead you to the Super Bowl? Well, I think, you know, really it was about talking to them about the fact that every single day, all of us as people, uh, you know, what, whether you're an athlete or not, you choose habits that are either passive um, every day in the sense that you allow them to kind of be in your life, you allow them to be part of your daily rhythm, or there's habits that you literally wake up every single day and you say, today I choose to do these things. And so um, if you want those things to become of your uh, part of who you are every single day, you got to make choices every morning you wake up of, of where it is you want to be and who it is you want to be and, and make sure your habits match uh, the vision you have for yourself. And so it's really just talking about that is that, you know, what make sure you're looking at, at how you live daily and, and what those things are that can help us be more successful down the road. And, and each one of us individually, uh, I think, can do that. And, and I think it's just something for me as a veteran guy in life and in football and everything else for those young guys. It's just uh, helping them maybe have a little bit of, uh, some wisdom or some things that I've been through that maybe I can help them avoid. Andrew Whitworth, my guest. See, the thing about that is you don't need to share those things. I mean, I don't think it makes you a legend. I think it makes you a great leader and a great vet and a great teammate, but not everybody's willing to coach up the young guys. Some vets don't want to do it because they're afraid that coaching up a young guy might lead to that young guy taking their job. Why are you not concerned about that part of it? And why is it so important to work with the young guys? Because I think all of us, if we look at it, it's, it's really about um, how we approach, how we take on our job. And if we're willing to take, attack it and we believe in ourselves uh, the right way, then I think that you know that, you know, for me, I think that it's that purist in the sense that I want every guy to have their best shot and I want to take mine. And if any day my best shot's not good enough for our team to be successful, then you know what, that time comes and, and it's time for me to move on. And so I, I'm not really worried or fearful of, of who the next guy is. I'm more worried about whether I'm willing to take on myself and say, all right, here's some things you need to get better at. Here's some things that you need to do better um, to be, you know, the player that you should be. And, and if I just address that, I just approach that mentality um, and hopefully spread some wisdom and some knowledge and maybe some work ethic to guys underneath me, um, that, that makes our football team better. And, and I think that that's the most important thing is, is who you play with and how good your team is 
is almost sometimes just as important as how well you play. Andrew Whitworth joining us. All right, so you and I have talked in the past about your mobility, your flexibility, how important that is to you. You've said that, quote, I'll put it this way, I'm old enough where every time I DoorDash Taco Bell, I feel it. My joints know what happened. I can tell you that. End of quote. I got to know, what's your approach on that? Like, how often do you treat yourself to a DoorDash of Taco Bell? And then what does that feel like? <laughs> I'll tell you what, probably probably more often than I should. But, no, it's, it's not very often. I mean, it's one of those things that just uh, times, you know, when you get in a regimen uh, at my stage in the game where you kind of know what you're going to eat, you kind of know your plan in different parts of the season of what your diet's going to look like. Those couple times that you do decide to cheat or do decide to eat with the kids, you know, my, I have young kids and kind of eat some of their meals, uh, I can usually feel it a little bit, just that uh, I'm a little more inflamed, or just feeling uh, like, oh, man, I ate kind of a cruddy meal last night. But uh, you know what? I still enjoy them like I did when I was a kid, too. So that's the problem. You know what? Sometimes you got to go uh, pain or pleasure, which one you want. Dude, i got to ask you something. Like, are you okay with that? For instance, I had one of those moments, except... I don't know, man. Like, I, I hit the pantry after work yesterday. It went badly for me. I went through this period of shame, got on my Peloton, tried to ride the hate out of my system. Like, when you do that, do you feel good about that? Or when you do that, do you not feel good about that? Yeah, when I do it, usually, I mean, just my mentality, I'm a punisher. So it's like I almost find, find some way to punish myself for, for enjoying the moment. So right. it's like I'm, I'm not sure if I'm enjoying it or if I'm, or I'm, I'm just trying to set up an opportunity to punish myself. So – you know what, it's like it's one of those things where you enjoy it while you eat it, and then afterwards you're like, man, why did I do that? Right. I'm like drugs. It, of course it's good when it hits the bloodstream, but right away I, I feel like, hey, i got to make that right. i got to get that out of my system. i got to punish myself. So that's why I ask. Listen, before you go, before when you and I spoke after the trade for Matthew Stafford, you talked about having mixed emotions about that deal because you lost a guy who you know and you respect, but you were getting a guy in Stafford. Now that some time has passed, what are your early impressions and what's it been like to see him work? Uh, you know what, just being around Stafford, uh, Matthew is uh, one of those guys you can tell, just a veteran QB who who has uh, played a lot of football and has been a really good football player in this league for a while and is just yearning for to have some success. And, and you see it in him, how hungry he is, how hard he works, and also just how talented he is. And so I think our whole football team is is obviously uh, really excited about the opportunity to take the field with him this fall. Listen, one quick follow-up on that before you go. When you're working with a quarterback who has been around for a while, how valuable is it to have a guy who has seen pretty much every defense there is to see? Well, I think it's pretty invaluable. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that you just can't – I don't care you know, what a quarterback's done early in their career. You can't replace experience and wisdom and the opportunity to see all these defenses and for Matthew also to play in a lot of different offenses. He's had a lot of different schemes. He's read things a lot of different ways. So he's had that opportunity of experience where there's things he can help young linemen with. There's things he can help young receivers, backs, tight ends. Just little tidbits that he can say, hey, against this coverage, you know, this is what you'd want to do. That almost feels like a coach on the field a little bit. And, and I think that's that added level that a veteran QB gives you that's just hard to replace. And a guy as talented as him, I think, uh, you know, we'd be lying if we said we weren't excited about our opportunity this season. I actually lied. There is one last thing I wanted to ask you about because later in the season, you're going to have an opportunity to be the first offensive lineman in nearly two decades to play at the age of 40. What does that milestone mean to you and how much pride is there in that number? You know, there's, uh, you know, I'd be lying too if I said that there wasn't some pride in that. I mean, you know, when I got hurt in 2013, I'm, uh, I had a patella surgery and, and, uh, it wasn't going that good, and I was getting frustrated in camp that I wanted to be re- you know, ready to roll, and I wasn't, and I missed the season opener, actually. And uh, I remember as soon as that thing got better, my first thought was, like, man, if I get over this, I don't – I mean, I feel like I can play for a lot longer, and, and I'd love the opportunity maybe to play at 40 years old. And um, I set it as a goal and an opportunity to, to get there, and, and here we are in that year. So it's pretty wild and, and – uh, I'm sure something that when my career is over, I'll look back and, and really have a lot of uh, joy and just pride for, for being able to do this and, and having the family that supported me through it. Because, you know, it's not easy, but it's, it's been a lot of fun. This game's blessed me with a lot of things and a lot of opportunities and my family as well. So we're, we're pumped up for uh, this season and, and look forward to all the opportunities that are in front of us. Here we are. Here the bleep we are. It's going to be a big year for the Rams. We're joined by a three-time All-Pro, a four-time Pro Bowler. He won that national championship at LSU. 
Andrew Whitworth. Andrew, I appreciate you. It was so good to get caught up in February. Great to get caught up again right here. Thank you so much for doing that. Good luck. Let's do it again soon. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Y'all have a great day. So you're probably going to get a workout in today, right? What about after the workout? You're going to crave some protein, so what are you going to do about it? This time, do not make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go. To the game, to the gym, to the beach. So make sure you look for Old Trapper. It's in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you if you don't see it ask for it by name because no other jerky compares oh trapper what's your beef why don't we talk smack off eve i'm not gonna lie i'm still feeling it i get chills just saying that smack off eve and when i talk to andrew whitworth about like how much pride is there in the fact that for the first time in 20 years you're gonna be a lineman who's playing at the age of 40 if somebody were to say to me Hey, Rome, how much pride is there in the fact that you're going to run this thing back for a 27th consecutive year? Man, that feels good. That feels great. 27 years in. Not only am I proud of this thing, but I'm proud that it still has the amount of juice that it has. It still makes me feel the way it's making me feel right now. And I feel great. Like I've got chills. I feel that strongly about it. There's just something different about the day before the day. Something truly different about the day before the day. The anticipation is at an all-time high. You're jacked as hell. You can't wait to see it go off. You know there's really nothing left to do, but just do the damn thing. Now, with that said, I want to take a few moments right now, and I want to go over the brass tacks. I want to make the final preparations. I want to give you a few more things to think about. If you're in the field tomorrow, first off, congratulations. Getting an invite is a clear-cut indicator that you are one of the best callers to a legacy show that has always had the best callers. So there's that, and that's huge. Only one can win, but understand this. You're all stepping onto a stage that only a very select few have ever been invited to step onto. Understand that. And for the final time this smack-off season, let me implore the ever-loving hell out of all of you that are invited. Find a hard line. Find a phone that's sole function is to be a phone. Do not let bad technology sabotage and crush and wreck great content. If you're sick of hearing me say it, here's Mark in Boston to say it for me. Jim, last year you literally spent the week before the smack off talking about the importance of a quality phone line. And Caleb took that advice and purchased a phone from Mike and Indy at Metro PCS or Cricket or, I don't know, wherever poor people buy their phones and... (laughs) Then made that call from an underground safe room. Uh, Caleb, I know you've addressed it, but if you're going to get a phone this year, please don't buy it from a place that requires you to reload your minutes at 7-Eleven and then do your call with a softball team warming up in the background. He actually said it better than I could. Be advised, though. I want to be so clear on this. The tolerance for poor audio quality tomorrow is going to be at an all-time low. I've got no time for that. I've got no tolerance for that. I've gone over this time and time and time again. The reason for this, I have more callers in the field than I have airtime available. I have very limited real estate. Running a crappy connection to get to a better one is a no-brainer for me and for the audience. If your call quality sucks, you're gone. I don't care how good your call is. I don't care how good your content is. If your line sucks, you're getting run. You've been warned several times. Get to a hard line. One more memo to the field. It's always been my goal to get to as many calls on the air as possible the day of. But I can't do anything about the clock that they've given me. It's a three-hour show every single day of the week. That includes tomorrow. It doesn't matter that tomorrow is different than every other day of the year. The clock does not change. I can't do anything about the clock. You can, though. You can. 
Everybody knows I give a longer leash time-wise for smack-off calls. You've earned that right. You've earned that perk. But a little self-editing and a little tightening up never hurt anybody. In fact, it serves you pretty well. A fat-free, atomically spicy, three-minute phone call of pure heat is so much better than five above average minutes with some lulls and some dead spots. You see me working. Some guys can rattle off gas for five straight minutes and still leave you wanting more. Most cannot. It ends up hurting them in the end. More is not better. Bigger is not better. Longer is not better. I'm not putting a shot clock on anybody. I never have. I never will. But less can be more sometimes. Hear what I'm saying. Everybody needs to ask themselves before tomorrow if a little bit less can be a whole lot more for their call. All right, keep that in mind. Longer doesn't mean better. It doesn't give you a better chance to win necessarily. So those are my final messages to the field. One, get a hard line. Two, trim the fat. As for everybody else not in the field, let's quickly talk about how you set this thing up tomorrow. If you're a radio listener driving across markets tomorrow, make sure to find the local CBS Sports Radio affiliate. If you need a list of the stations that the show is on, go to JimRome.com. Pretty simple. Go to JimRome.com. I've got a link posted right at the top of the page. If you do not have a local affiliate, you can still listen live on Sirius XM Channel 206. You can stream it from my website, JimRome.com. You can download the free Odyssey app on any smartphone. Let me spell it for you. Odyssey. A-U-D-A-C-Y. A-U-D-A-C-Y. The Jungle streams live there every day, including tomorrow, for free. If you're looking to watch the event on TV, you can do that too. Of course, it's on CBS Sports Network. Dish customers can find that on Channel 158. DirecTV customers can find that on Channel 221. If you have cable, go to CBSSportsNetwork.com. Punch in your zipper, your zip code, right on the homepage. It will tell you your local. Furthermore, in the Tucson area, there is a watch party going down at Tap and Bottle. Again, Tap and Bottle in Tucson, Arizona. They're going to be open up uh, early on. They're showing the smack off on TV from start to finish, so... Big shout out to my folks there. Appreciate you guys. Same thing at the Lorelei Inn in Green Bay, Wisconsin. If you want to meet up with other clones in those two cities, you can and you should. I fully expect the watch party heat to get back to where it was in 2019, but we're still coming out of a pandemic. I can understand why we've heard about a lot fewer this year than we have in previous years. It makes sense to me, but these two have got it going on. So thanks to Tap and Bottle and the Lorelei for keeping that great tradition going. If you miss, wow. <laughs> if you miss parts of the smack off or the entire thing, we will post all three hours right after the show. To every podcast platform under the sun, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, JimRome.com as well. So yes, the Smack Off will be available on demand for free in its entirety right after the show. Also, jungle social media participation is absolutely paramount tomorrow every year the smack off trends on twitter because y'all do such a good job of blowing it up let's make sure that happens again tomorrow now listen very carefully to this this is simple this is simple and easy just listen carefully we're going with one single hashtag the hashtag for this thing is hashtag smack off really easy hashtag smack off it's one word that's it Hashtag smack off. It is not hashtag smack off 27. It is not hashtag the smack off. It's not hashtag smack off XXVII. It's none of those things. It's nothing but hashtag smack off. We keep it very simple every single year, and that's by design. 
This thing will only trend if we're all using the same hashtag. Again, hashtag smack off. If you need further explanation, you know where to find me. If you need me to help you remember that, you know where to find me. Hashtag smack off. Hashtag smack off. And by the way, it's not just a vanity play for us. There is an extremely important reason why we do it. An extremely useful tool for everybody live tweeting the show tomorrow. Because the hashtag, as you know, or maybe you don't, creates a link. That link will take you instantly to every other tweet with the same hashtag. So now you're right in the middle of the biggest conversation happening on Twitter. And you're seeing pictures of people's setups. You're reading how everybody is scoring it. You're seeing what the JTP loved and what the JTP hated. And now the event has become totally interactive. You're not watching it in a vacuum. You're watching it with the rest of the country. You're watching it with the rest of the jungle community. And you can do this by using the hashtag SmackOff. So it's not just a vanity play. It's a pragmatic play. This way you're all watching it in the same room and all reacting to each other. Talking junk, scoring the event, saying what you love, saying what you hate. So make sure to tweet early and often tomorrow. Make sure you slug it. Hashtag SmackOff. All right, early and often. That's it. Those are the brass tacks. The final preparation. All that's left to do is hear how this bad boy goes down. Smack off 27. Tomorrow, 12 noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. The best callers, the biggest stage, $5,000 to the winner, and the winner's name on Cruz Pedregon's rocket. Let's freaking do this. Oh, and immortality as the jungle's king of smack. 27 years, only 14 winners. Will there be a new champ? Will there be a first-time champ? Jerry Judy is my guest. Jerry, it's good to have you on. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Good to have you. Tell me about your off season. What have you been up to so far? How are things going? Oh, uh, everything's going good right now. You know, I'm back in Denver. You know, just relaxing and enjoying my a little break off right now. Um, um, getting back to work soon. I tell you what, I saw something pretty cool actually. I saw a cool video of you sprinting down the street in your neighborhood wearing a Broncos helmet. How did that come to be, and what did your neighbors think about that? Um, I mean that was that was something like I just got done from working out, so I just wanted to get a little a little bit more extra work work in. So I just I didn't feel like driving far to another field, so I just went outside in front of my house and ran. So and my, apparently my neighbors see me out there. I, apparently my neighbor was walking and see me and just just wanted to introduce themselves and stuff like that. So yeah, that that's how it happened. I thought that was cool. Jerry Judy is joining us. I thought that was really cool. So you and Patrick Sertan went up against each other at Alabama, and he credits those matchups with him or with that making him a better player. So what was your reaction when he was drafted by the team, and how does it feel to have him as a teammate again? Uh, you know, I was excited, you know, him being from Broward, the city that I'm from, and being from um, going to the same college that I went to and coming to Denver. When I see they drafted a great player like Patrick Sertain, uh, a guy who going do is who got tremendous talent and a day one starter. Um, and I know since Alabama, me going to get some Alabama was always great work. So now, now having him here in Denver with me, also also helped me get better as a receiver too. Going against him. We're talking to Jerry Judy. You know, Jerry, you're coming off a year where you put up really good numbers, especially given the number of different quarterbacks that you were playing with and, you know, you starting your NFL career. As you look back on last season, what kind of thoughts do you have? What was that year like for you? Uh, I mean, I feel like it was a, a decent se- a season. Uh, well, I didn't feel like I played to my expectation or my standard just due to the multiple drops I had. Other than that, I feel like me knowing the playbook and me playing fast was was good um but other than the drops i feel like i had an average season so me overcoming the drops i feel like for this year i feel like i'm gonna have a bigger year 
All right, so you're being pretty tough on yourself. I respect that, and I get that, but you're holding yourself to a certain standard. Your teammate Tim Patrick said of you, quote, he puts a lot on his shoulders. He wants to be great really bad. Stuff happens going into year two. I've already said it. Jerry Judy is really good, like really, really good, end of quote. So that's a teammate saying that. Now that you've got that year under your belt, how do you feel going into year two? Does everything feel different to you now? Uh, yeah, you know, you just know what you're getting yourself into for year two. You know, as a rookie, you don't really know what you're getting yourself into. You know, you just got to um, really learn learn the system, learn the plays. So year two and being the offense in year two, you know, you, you feel more confident in, in knowing your plays and knowing what, what reads you are and knowing how to run this certain route. So that that that, that just going to make this year better on on stuff like that. Jerry Judy is my guest. Let me ask you this. Is the secret to getting separation, is it all about speed or is it about precision in the way you run your routes? What is the secret to getting that separation? Uh, it, it's not really all about speed. It's knowing the timing of the play and knowing what, what, what read you are and knowing how to I, – I won't say it, it's really about speed because every route – you don't gotta run speed, run full speed to get open. It's more about knowing how to create, have creativity in your route running and stuff in that nature. Talking to Jerry Judy. Let me ask you something about the quarterbacks really quickly. It's not obviously it's not your decision, but you've got a guy in Drew Locke, and then you've got Teddy Bridgewater, and they're both looking to be the starting quarterback this year. You've said they're different guys, and they throw different balls in terms of air and their spiral. How would you describe the differences between the two of them? Uh. You know, like just just by like like how I said before, just by the air and the spiral. You know, um, Drew more of a a bullet type thrower. Like he 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 rely a lot more on his arm. Um, and Teddy more, I feel like he more anticipate and like float it and know how to anticipate on your routes. So that's the only difference I see between them. But I feel like they um two great quarterbacks who out here competing and. Having them compete against each other is really, you could see really both of them improving in their game. And let me ask you, you've put in the time, you made the sacrifices, and then, of course, for somebody like you to be in the position you're in, others made sacrifices for you. When you were growing up, you made a promise to your mom that you would buy her a house. Last fall, you were able to fulfill that promise. What did that mean to you to be able to take care of your mom like that, and what did that feel like? Uh, You know, that means a lot. You know, your mom is like, well, my mom was the woman and the man of the house, so so her taking care of me all, all my life. So I wanted to find a way to show the same amount of love back to her. And since I was young, I, since I was young, I was told I was going to get her house. And now that I, that dream finally come true, it was just a, a great feeling, um, a feeling I will never forget. You bet. All right. So I mentioned you've got an NFT rookie card drop coming up on Tuesday. Can you lay this out for me? What is involved? Where does that drop happen? What's gonna? What's it going to be exactly? Yeah, uh, it's a uh, uh, a new NFT drop. It, it's just a way for me to connect the fans and also show awareness to um, also get involved with Trisomy 18, something that's big to my family. Um, so, and it drops on Tuesday, June 29th uh, at 8:30. It just four cards. Two, two, two cards for my Bama days and two for my rookie days. And you got two digital diamond, um, diamond jerseys, one Bama, one Broncos. And, and, uh, you got my, uh, ultimate training card with my career Bama stats and my rookie stats. So that's something I'm very excited, uh, very excited about. Um, also you can check it out on biskey.com slash Jerry Judy or the link on my IG bio. I like that a lot, Jerry. Really quickly, go back to what you said. What is it raising money for? What is the cause behind this, and why is that so important to you? For those who do not know, uh, it's raising mon- money for um, Trisomy 18. You know, kids that have um, de- de- developmental problems growing up. Um, it's big on me because that's something my sister passed away from um, when she was at a very young age. So I feel like that's just a- another way I could show my awareness and show my for my awareness too and like help not help like provide for that for family that's dealing with the same type of difficulties as we as my family did Jerry really quickly your sister was only seven what was she like as a person and what kind of an impact did she have on you 
Um, yeah, she was seven. You know, she didn't really talk as much, but she always smiling. So she had a big in- impact on me. Like she just showed me how to work hard, how to always fight, um, always laugh through the through the hard times. Cause she 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 been through a lot, but at the end of the day, she's still always smiling. So that that's that showed me a lot. You bet. That rookie card drop is coming up Tuesday on Bitsky. Jerry Judy is the one behind that, coming off a really good year. High expectations for the coming year. Jerry, great to have you on the show finally. Thanks so much. Good luck with that card drop, and I know we'll do it again soon. Uh, Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Let's go to Wisconsin. Benny in Wisco. Benny, what's going on? Not much, man. It's been a minute. I apologize. I've been laid up a little bit. Uh, I was riding my bike a few months ago and got hit by a freaking train. But uh, it's so very good to be here, man. First off, thanks to you and the crew for the profile a few weeks back. But thank you even more for making mine the first profile of the season, thus making me the first competitor to have their smack-off profile wire the field. It was my smack-off profile with line after line after line after line after line, and then a bunch of other unmemorable pedestrian profiles. In fact, the only thing missing from the rest of the profiles was a music bed of yakety sacks, especially bread and lefts earlier this week. Put a tent on that circus, you bearded ladies. Goats? Yes, I'd rather listen to goats than have to endure more bread and left. But anyway, Jim, I can't wait for tomorrow. I will be there, and I'm hungry. I want to win more than Rick and Buffalo wants his wife to lift the in-home mask mandate she put on him and him alone. I'm more eager for a victory than Helen Pell is for a hotel room without gases, cells, worms, viruses, and pathogens. And Jim, I want to win more than Jeffrey Dahmer wants a bite of Old Trapper. But on another note, Jim, I don't really know what to make of Adam Hawk anymore. He comes off as a moron, but I'm starting to think his evil genius plan is starting to benefit him wonderfully. This guy is like the jungle dope man. He hawks ugly clothing to a bunch of morons who can't afford the clothing in the first place. But that wasn't enough. This troll doubled down. He thought, hmm, what do poor substance abusers love the most? Oh, I know, substances. Enter swing lube. Hawk selling overpriced, crappy alcohol to alcoholics is the most diabolical venture in recent memory. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I have no choice but to respect the man. It's brilliant. I can't wait to see where this deal with the devil takes Hawk next. I mean, he's got to stay within the confines of the law while hanging a carrot in front of these mules of his. So that leaves hard drugs out of the question. So what's left? I don't know, but don't be surprised to see Nation Golf Fleshlights hit the market next week. I'll talk to you tomorrow, buddy. My <laughs> man, Benny and Wisco, rack him. The B-I-C, Brad in Corona. What's going on, Brad? Rome, how you doing, bud? Good, dude. How are you? I'm good. Uh, that dude who just called in right now and said he can't pee standing up anymore uh, got me thinking, though. I heard you say earlier in the week that you don't need to talk about a guy's junk to win the smack-off, and I'm kind of confused, to be honest, Romy. I just want to make sure you and I are on the same page for tomorrow, so would you mind if we just workshopped a line or two I'd like to use, and you can tell me if it's okay? Yeah, why don't we go ahead and do that just to be sure, Brad. Okay, so I want to be the first to congratulate Jeffrey Tubin for bouncing back from a pretty unfortunate event last year and announcing today that he just landed a new job as an umpire with Major League Baseball. I guess they want him to come in and clean up this whole pitching situation, Jim. Yeah, apparently during his interview, Tubes told him he's extremely familiar with sticky substances and not afraid to work in front of a crowd, if you know what I mean. Hey, Brad, consider call. the workshop complete. Yeah, no, that will not be okay tomorrow. <laughs> that will not be okay tomorrow. That's the type of thing that... I'm trying to prevent from happening tomorrow. Glad that you and I are now on the same page. That's your BIC. The five-time champ. Just wanting to, quote, workshop something with me prior to the big day. So he knows that he and I are on the same page of what is and what is not acceptable. And to the point that he made, that I would made myself... Not only do you not need to talk about junk repeatedly to win the smack off, it's going to get you run. Junk, your junk, somebody else's junk, it's not going to get you any points. 
You're not going to score high with that. All right, so that guy should know better, right? <laughs> if anybody should know better. like I, I love this whole notion of Brad needing to call because he needs clarification. Like, I need to be on the same page with you, Rome. Can you and I workshop this? Because I'm just not sure. Believe this. He's sure. He knows what you can and cannot do. You don't win this thing five times without knowing what you can and cannot do. Trust me. He knew. He knew. You know how I know that he knew? Because he called right back. And he told Hawk that he wants to apologize. Man, maybe my man's getting a little bit soft. Maybe my man doesn't want to jeopardize his chances tomorrow. Maybe he doesn't want to get on the wrong side of the judges. Maybe he's playing the refs. I don't know. I just know that he knows. He knows. And you know what, dude? Honestly, Brad, you do owe me an apology. What's up, man? Hey, sorry about that. Uh, we were workshopping, and I, I think I got cut off. <laughs> did, uh, did I get to the part about Tubes getting a backup offer from Krispy Kreme? Yeah, uh, I guess they want to bring him on as the regional director of glazing. Jeez, it's high demand right now. Ah. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. <laughs> this guy. This dude. Let's go to Huntington Beach. Silk bra. What's up, bra? What's up, bra? There he is. What's up, Silk? Happy uh, Smack Off Eve, bro. I want to give a shout-out to uh, Jeremiah in Green Bay for getting the fake me on his call yesterday. I know what a tough get that guy is. Um, I love Benny's call today. I'm a big fan of Benny, but uh, piggybacking on his deal, bro, I got this quick story, and I think it, it, it's going to help you. I was in the city of Orange, deep behind the Orange Curtain, a couple of days ago um, near Anaheim Stadium, and I was driving when all of a sudden I heard this weird noise, dude. It was like a bell. And then I see these flashing lights. And then for some reason, this like stick came down in front of me at an intersection. I, I had to stop. And I'm like, what is this? I hear this noise. And I'm like, I don't, what, what the heck's going on? All of a sudden, this huge version of the Tyco train set I got when I was 10 for Christmas comes rumbling out of nowhere. And I'm like, well, it's like seeing a unicorn, bro. I'm like, what is this? This is Orange County. And there weren't even people on it, dude. It was like pulling like lumber and gas and stuff. And I was like, this is crazy, bro. I got to tell Jim. I go, I go, bro, because I know, you know, you're not that far from Orange, and I don't know if trains go by your house, bro, but I'll tell you this right now. It scared the crap out of me. I'm like, this isn't Nebraska. This isn't Indiana. Why are there freight trains in Orange County? But I can confirm there are. Now, yesterday I was, uh, thought I jumped into the hot tub time machine. Turns out I was just watching my DVR in my hot tub, and I hear this voice from the past. And I'm like, that sounds familiar. Lo and behold, Bobby from Brooklyn, my old buddy, a guy used to gravy train off me all the time, Bobby from Brooklyn, and he wants a whole segment in the smack off. You know what? I love that marble mouth mailbox head from Brooklyn. You know, um, last time I saw him, he was on stage with you and me at a tour stop in Cleveland at the Blossom Music Center and with his chinos and his horrible blue shirt tucked in. While I was blowing kisses to the crowd and generally uh, living my best life and people were loving me. Bobby got nervous, brah. So he, he got on the pop and put on the wobbly boot, as Elk would say, and got so schmammed up that you had to throw him off the stage, brah. I thought the, the guy from Showtime at the pile was going to come and brush him right off. So I had to get out of there. I don't want to be brushed up against that mess. So I proceeded to go back to the backstage VIP area, hang out with my colleague, Mike Fratello, and discuss how I felt his defensive schemes were ruining the NBA of the 90s. So listen, brah, good luck tomorrow. You know I'm going to be there, brah. I'm going to be super stoked. Hopefully hooking up with the boys after. We'll take takes. You know how it is, brah. All right, Alvy. I love you. Happy uh, Father's Day, Alvy. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. Wow. That, that was something else. Silk, that call right there. You and I have history, so you and I are good almost regardless that call right there is not going to make anybody like you anymore, Silk. I know that. In fact, that call right there is going to make everybody hate you even more. Alvy, if you don't mind, can you find your way to that Gene Rayburn type of mic or just switch over to where Hawk normally sits? 
you normally don't run somebody like that, Alvy. And if I'm going to put you on the air, hey, it Jim. must be pretty important. Why? Hello, Alvin. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> thank you. Are you still opening presents? I listen, am. Thank you. Yes. Listen, why did you run him when you ran him? I, I just couldn't get over the train story. I think I should have ran him right after the train story. It, that the punchline, I believe, was we do have trains in Orange County, and that's when I should have ran him. So I had it locked in, and yeah, so I did it when I had a chance. So <laughs> that's were, it. So you should have run him sooner, and you were just waiting for him to give you an opportunity to run him. And when he wished you a happy Father's Day, you ran him. Is that what he did? Uh, wish me a happy Father's Day? I. You don't even know. You just want no, to run him. I, I was locked in. We're still good, Silk. So you can call tomorrow if you want. But yeah, I had to do that. You feel better now? Yeah. Okay. All Thanks, right. man. All right. No, no, thank you, Alvin. Let's go to the phones. We go to Iowa. Guido in Iowa. Iowa. Guido, what's going on? How are you? Jim, how are you, bud? Good, yeah, dude. I've been a listener for a long time, since the 90s, uh, when I was in Cali. And I don't get to listen live very often. Certainly don't have time to rip a ducket. But I had to call today. I was listening to your storyline review yesterday. 22 names. 22 names were mentioned before the dawn of the Midwest Mafia, Mike and Indy. Are you kidding me with that? Geriatric Jeff and his petulant grandson, Ricky, who's never won anything except multiple restraining orders from former students. Two marginal callers from Canada, and that's generous. Three golden ticket winners and a fake dog. A fake dog. Before Mike and Indy, need I remind this jungle? Mike De La Creme has finished top five, nine out of ten calls, second six times. Chael stole one from him because he was on the right side of a PR stunt by the Jim Rome Show. Even Paul's dog doesn't think that the championship was right that Chael won. Chael stole a second title when he was with Mike and Indy on a tandem call, and Mikey didn't need him for that either. The Midwest Mafia has long been a mal mis maligned here in the jungle. Evidenced by Caleb and Green Bay getting robbed in 2019. The Midwest Mafia remembers that one as well. The disrespect of mentioning 20 callers not named Leff or Brad before Mike and Indy will not be forgiven or forgotten. And yes, I didn't mention Sean the Cabin Asian because he's dead to us. He left the jungle and came back. He doesn't exist as far as the Midwest Mafia is concerned. So tomorrow, Jim, I expect Mike and Indy to come with a big chip. It's going to be a chip so big, uh, Jim, that Benny's going to try to mash it into his bologna sandwich. Mark and Hollywood's going to try to use it as a tooth implant. Cal's going to try to cash it at the Spearmint Rhino. And when all you guys come into the arena, Mikey's going to be sitting there on his sled, smoking a Cohiba and asking which one of you fools is going to check me. And the answer is none of you. None of you can check him because there's no rivalry in the jungle bigger than the XR4TI and Jim and the Midwest Mafia. It's not Brad V. Left or Left V. Who He Shall Not Be Named. If Mikey De La Creme comes in tomorrow and can beat his biggest, biggest rivalry, the people that vote on who wins, Mikey's going to win his seventh title. I'm going to be on my pontoon boat listening live. I took the day off. I'm going to catch some fish. And the Midwest Mafia is going to come back to where they belong on the throne. I'm out. My man, Guido. Okay, first of all, rack him. Second of all, rack when you him. say you're going to be on your pontoon... Let's go to Green Bay. Kyle in Green Bay. It's been a while. What's going on, Kyle? How are you? Hey, I'm great, Drew. A Jumpman Jillet. Oh, man, I'm nervous. How's it going? Ah! No. You don't like that call. I don't like that You know why I ran him? Because that was not Kyle in Green Bay. Only on this show do you have the likes of Kyle in Green Bay and then fake Kyles in Green Bay. Gino in San Antonio. Gino, what's going on? Romy, I just truly appreciate the respect, and I will return that respect to you and the XR4TI and the listeners by not calling in tomorrow. <laughs> I uh, really have not earned the right to call in this year, but I, I will. I'm not, you know, I'm not abandoning my, my hopes of one day winning a, a championship. It's not going to be this year, though. But um, I did want to respond to Guido Sarducci that just called in a few minutes ago with this whole Midwest Mafia thing is just so pathetic. I imagine every single one of these losers, including Guido, sitting around a bar like 20 years from now, taking a shot at JTS Brown and telling some random stranger behind the bar, yeah, 
I used to know Mike and Indy, and the bartender's like, what? And he's like, you know, Midwest Mafia, man. I'm with the Midwest Mafia, you know. Bartender has no idea, buys him another shot and sends him out. Listen, you guys from the Midwest Mafia. Rome last week, he was talking about Mike and Indy, and he said like that he represents the Mid- Midwest Mafia the best. And I completely understand that because every morning after my second cup of coffee, I take a little trip over to Brown Town, and right before I flush that toilet, I take a look, and I'm like, yeah, that turd right there, that's the best turd in the toilet right before I flush it. That's Mike. He's the best of you guys. So I really do understand what you mean. I got no favorites in the smack off because I respect every single person that calls in and has the intestinal fortitude to do it. But the BIC, he's the Will Ferrell of the jungle. You either think he's the funniest thing ever or you think he's a complete moron. I think he's the funniest thing ever. So I'll be pulling for the BIC. And last thing, Rome, last week somebody called in and, or actually I think they, they uh, texted in, faxed in, whatever people are doing these days. And he said that I labeled Kawhi Leonard, Kawit Leonard. And you said, oh, the guy that's won two championships, that guy. Yeah. You know what? I don't make it my business to disagree with you, Rome. You know that. But yeah, that's the guy I'm talking about. Kawit Leonard is a loser in life. And I don't care how many championships he wins. Pop is the one coach in this league that was ahead of the curve on player empowerment. He treats everybody, including quit, after he fled the team like a little craphead that he is. And he still treats that guy with respect. And you disrespected Pop on the way out the door. You took the money. You hid from him. I don't care how many championships you win, quit. You're a loser in life to me. Love you, Rome. I'll be listening tomorrow. And, and by the way, your little guy Guido said, oh, I'll be on the throne listening tomorrow. Yeah, I'll be on the throne thinking about you in the morning, bro. Chino in San Antonio. Let me go to Penn. Phil and Penn. Good to have you, Phil. How are you? Good. How are you, sir? Good. Good, Phil. Hey, I just wanted to let you know that uh, I made sure, even though I have an MRI at 11.45 tomorrow, Eastern Standard Time, that uh, I ensured that I will not miss any of the smack-off, even from the little tube. My man, I'm glad to hear that. So you have an MRI for what? Uh, brain scan. Hmm. What's going on? Uh, I am a brain cancer survivor, and I have to have quarterly checkups. My man, so how are you feeling? You sound great, man. Dude, you sound great. How do you feel? I feel fantastic. I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss any of the smack off. You know, I schedule these things three months out, and I listened to the radio, and I was like, crap, I'm going to miss the smack off. So I called in, made sure that they had everything lined up for me ahead of time, and they ensured me that uh, I'd be listening to it for the first hour of my MRI. My man, you, you are a freaking warrior. What an absolute legend. And I want to say... I've seen this, Phil. I know what you're dealing with. I think that you probably know this, or if you don't, my father had brain cancer. I know what that's like. I know what you're dealing with. Man, you sound awesome. You sound awesome. Hey, I appreciate that, man. I just want you to know I love what you do, and uh, keep up the good work. I'll be calling in to try and get in the smack off next year. My man, much respect. Great job, Phil. I appreciate you. Really good job, dude. You are a warrior. You are a warrior. Phil and Penn, rack him. Let's go to HB. Rich, what's going on? Oh, Jim, you're too good to me, man. Thank you very much. Happy Smack Off Eve. I'm really excited for the program tomorrow. Yep. Uh, let's hit a couple topics. Uh, when you get back, I want to talk about Trapper in depth. Maybe today is not the day, but uh, I have a lot of thoughts on that. As you know, I haven't called in about it. My favorite train story, as we're talking about train stories, was Randall on the Pacific Sunliner when we went to see you down in Del Mar. And then the automobile right on the back, on the way back up, and he was running an option with a Denver Broncos football with the Uber driver. It was uh, uh, in folklore on Periscope there for a while, if you ever checked it out, but uh, always a favorite story of mine. Uh, you talked about Silk, and Silk, you know, he didn't fail. He got into that uh, uh, city council race with less than 90 days to go beforehand, and he picked up almost 11,000 votes, so some great inroads. But I got to tell you, my favorite one where Silk is concerned, he ain't getting on tomorrow. If he didn't get on during Smack Off 23 when he was standing literally a foot and a half behind you in studio on hold when we were taking a group photo for Sports Illustrated call, he ain't ever getting on. I think he's got less of a chance to get on than Cal in Vegas. And that's saying a lot. And, and, and Silk's my boy. But I want to just reference quickly that Guido call. 
All right. So Mike and Indy, Mike and Indy talks about how, you know, he's this, he's that, he's won them all. You know, there's no bigger failure, in my opinion, and I was there, and this was smack off 20, when he pretended to come into Big Wangs. He wasn't there. He pretended to come into Big Wangs. I remember it specifically because I was listening in on some headphones, and the house had, were on a 30-second delay, and when he said he was coming through the kitchen, I ran to the kitchen, and he wasn't there. Imagine if Lef had pretended to come into studio. Imagine if Lef had pretended to be in a helicopter. Imagine if Mark had pretended to do a live call or pretended with the Siri. In my opinion, the biggest failure in Smack Off history is Mike and Indy. So, Guido, uh, no big shout-out to your boy Mike and Indy. In my opinion, biggest failure ever. Tomorrow, Jim, we're going to roll into Javier's. We're going to have a little bit of food. We're going to celebrate the memory of Trapper, and we're going to celebrate the... uh, I don't know, the pageantry that is Smack Off. I appreciate for all the friends that you've given me, Jim, and you know that to be true. It's always a great day when there's Smack Off. So thanks for doing what you do. Have a great vacation. And uh, XR4TI, have a great show tomorrow. Thank you very much for producing it for us. There you go. Did you ever think that you would hear this? Good job, Rich Flores. Good night.